And beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, over the past month or so, we've been reflecting together on the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. And one of the things that the Bible makes so clear about his coming, and hopefully we've seen together as we've been reflecting on this, is that this coming of Jesus Christ is a reason for great joy and gladness. The birth of Jesus is, as the angel said to the shepherds, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. It it really is. Because as the angel went on to say, this Jesus is the Savior. He was born to us. And He is Christ the Lord. And yet as we come away from this month now, and as we begin this new year, it's not so easy. We, We have to confess it's not so easy to live that way, is it? It's not so easy to experience real, positive joy. At least the kind of joy the angel spoke of. Joy in the Lord. There are, of course, other things that give us joy. Sometimes they are things that should not give us joy. They are things that we should not be doing. Sinful things. But there can be many, many things too that can make us good things, that can make us joyful and glad, at least for a for a time, it could be family, it could be gifts. Some of you are looking forward to joyful occasions this year. Weddings and, and maybe births and, and maybe vacations. But this joy, joy and gladness in the Lord, it, it's not so always so easy to experience. In, in fact, in and of ourselves, of course, it's impossible for us to experience because we don't We don't rejoice in the Lord by nature at all. But even even when you have personally experienced joy in the Lord by by the grace of God bringing you to to repentance and faith, we also have to say that even when we've experienced that, it's not so easy to maintain joy in the Lord, is it? I, I mean, it's one thing to come to church and to hear the good news Uh, of Christ's coming, to hear the good news of the salvation He brings. It's one thing to hear that and hopefully in in the moment to experience something of that joy personally as as we respond to to that news in in repentance and and in faith, trusting in Jesus Christ. But it's another thing altogether, isn't it? To keep that joy, to maintain that joy when we go out the doors, when we go home and when we pick up our work again. When we go back to our lives in a fallen and a broken world. When we go back to our battles with sin. How quickly and easily our joy in the Lord can can just slip away. Also in the midst of the busyness, simply the busyness of life. It might be at work, it might be at home, uh, as as a mom perhaps taking care of the kids. How suddenly our joy of the Lord can disappear when we're facing different pressures, different challenges, different disappointments and trials and hardships in life. And how tempting it can be, how tempting it can be to think that's just the way it is. That's how it's always going to be as long as we live here below. That's, that's, how, that's how 2024 is going to be. We can't really do anything about it. We just need to accept and con- accept it and content ourselves with the fact that our joy in the Lord, if we have it at all, is going to be up and down at best. But our text this morning, Philippians 4 verse 4, tells us it shouldn't be that way. 
And it doesn't need to be that way. Listen again to what Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says to the Philippian church and by extension to us. Verse 4 of Philippians 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. What do these words tell us? They tell us, don't they, that that the joy, that gladness in the Lord is not something that just happens. It's not just a feeling that we have no control over that comes and goes. It's an action that we can and really must choose. It's something that we're called to cultivate and, and to do, not just some of the time, but always. We're to rejoice in the Lord always. As I was preparing for the sermon in one book I was reading, the author told about a Russian woman during the Soviet communist era who had been in a Siberian prison for a year. She suffered in ways that we cannot even imagine. She suffered isolation. She suffered bitter cold. She suffered harsh treatment. But the author went on to tell how this woman, in spite of her suffering, described that year in that Siberian prison as her year of joy. Now I hope, I hope none of us will suffer in this coming year to the extent that this woman did. But I am sure, I am sure that in some way we are all going to suffer. We are all going to face challenges. We are all going to face difficulties. We are all going to face disappointments. And some of those challenges perhaps you already know about, you already are facing, and perhaps you are dreading. Maybe you wish almost we could just stay in 2023. Others of those challenges and trials, we have no idea. We won't know until they come. But my hope and prayer for you, as well as for myself, is that even in the midst of these things, in the midst of the hard things of life in the midst of the sufferings and the pains and the sorrows and the griefs that 2024 would be our year of joy in the Lord. But I don't just want to pray for that. I want by the grace of God to help make that happen. And that's actually, it's actually part of my calling as a Christian minister. According to 2 Corinthians 1 verse 24, In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 24, Paul, he's speaking to the Corinthians, and he calls himself and his fellow ministers helpers of the Corinthians' joy. It's a beautiful, beautiful description of the pastoral calling. Helpers of your joy. And so as we begin 2024 with God's help, we want to reflect then on this text Philippians 4, verse 4, under the theme, making 2024 a year of joy in the Lord. Exclamation mark, dot, 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 question mark. Now maybe when you hear that, though, you you think, is that really so important? Well, according to our text, it is. It is a matter of great importance. And that's our first thought, the great importance of making 2024 a year of joy in the Lord. And it's it's good to... to realize that, to think about that, because otherwise we won't see any point in doing this. We'll just tend to dismiss it and, as, as unrealistic. But our text makes clear that rejoicing in the Lord always is a duty. 
we have. It's an obligation. It's a, it's a responsibility. Paul doesn't say merely that he wants them to be joyful. Of course he does. He, he, he doesn't merely express his desire. He's not merely expressing his desire for the Philippians here. He's not even just inviting the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord always or even praying that they will be joyful. But he is giving a loving and an earnest command. Rejoicing in the Lord always is not optional. It's something we must do. We're called to do. And Paul emphasizes that, doesn't he? By saying it not just once, but twice. That's the only command in the chapter of this last chapter of Philippians where he does that in this way, where he repeats the command, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Rejoicing in the Lord always, also in 2024, is very important. But maybe you say, well, why? What makes what makes this so important? I want to just focus on two things. For one thing, it's the will of God for his people. Our text doesn't say that explicitly, but, but by commanding us to rejoice in the Lord, it, it, it implies it, doesn't it? And there are many other passages in the Bible that make this clear, that make clear that rejoicing in the Lord always is the will of God. You think of the Psalms, how often they call God's people to rejoice in the Lord. We sang some of them already. It's God's will, his prescriptive will for his people. And Paul himself makes this clear in one of his other letters, in his first letter to the Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16, he includes the same command in a list of several others. Let me just read that for you. 1 Thessalonians 5 beginning at verse 16, he says, Rejoice evermore, always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. And then he says why we're to do these things. For, he says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So rejoicing in the Lord always, making 2024 a year of joy in the Lord, is the will of God for his people. It's something he's calling us to do. And that's part of what makes it so important, isn't it? Because the, thing that, the things that God calls us to do are important. They're always important. If we don't do them, if we don't do what he calls us to do, what are we doing? We're, we're actually disobeying him. It's just like children. When your mom or dad gives you something to do, they, give you, they tell you to go uh, clean your room or something and you, you refuse to do it. Well, that's quite serious because you're disobeying. In the same way, when... When we refuse to rejoice in the Lord always, that's pretty serious. We're, we're essentially disobeying God because he calls us to rejoice in the Lord always. That's his will. Isn't it good for us to think about that? To, to just let that sink in. Just let that sink in for a moment. Because you see, our instinct when we hear this command to rejoice in the Lord always, our instinct is to put up our hands in protest, at least some of the time. That's certainly my instinct. My instinct when I hear this command and I'm facing challenges or going through difficulties, my instinct is to say, whoa, that's, that's too much. I can't do that. I can point to times in the past year where I did that. 
And my challenges, my difficulties are probably nothing compared to some of yours. The point is, there's something about this command that, that, that makes us, when we hear it, it makes us feel kind of, kind of like a, a, a cat that's, that's getting petted backwards. We, we, get, we just kind of go stiff and, and we're, we, we look for a way to escape. There's something in us that just, just wants to resist it, to, to, to minimize it. We, we inwardly want to roll our eyes and shrug our shoulders and, and make excuses why we do not and cannot do this. And that's why, you see, we need to remember that rejoicing, being glad in the Lord always is part of the will of God. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that joy in the Lord is just as much a part of true conversion as a sincere sorrow of heart that we have offended God by our sin. We hope to see that in a couple of weeks when we consider the topic of conversion from the Word of God and also in light of the Heidelberg Catechism. But, but already we can see from our text and other passages like it that rejoicing in the Lord always, also in 2024, is the will of God for His people. That's one reason. That's one reason why it's so important. But there's another reason, and the second reason is this. It's, a, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Our text, again, does not say that explicitly. But in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, which Paul most likely wrote before Philippians, Paul lists nine things that are all part of the fruit of the Spirit. And maybe you know them, children. The first one is love. What's the second one? Joy, right? Joy. And then there's peace, and there's long-suffering, and so on. And that's really what this first part of Philippians 4 is talking about. A few weeks ago, we looked at verses 2 and 3, especially together, and where Paul appeals to Yodius and Syntica to be of the same mind in the Lord. What, what fruit of the Spirit is he speaking about there? He's, he's speaking about love, isn't he? Love. And, and here in verse 4, then he, he speaks about joy. And, and then if you come to verse, verse 5, he he speaks about moderation, and that's really another word. Really, three parts of the fruit of the Spirit can tie into that. The, the kindness, the long-suffering, the, the gentleness. It's all part of that. And, and then he goes on to speak about the peace of God, right? <clears throat> in other words, what Paul is doing here in Philippians 4 is he's simply unfolding for us the fruit of the Spirit. And rejoicing in the Lord always is part of that. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's part of what the Holy Spirit works more and more in the people of God. And that's, again, why it's so important. It's part of that work that Christ does in all His people by His Holy Spirit, that renewing work that we, that we looked at, uh, talked about a few weeks ago when we looked at the reasons why Christians must live a life of good works, a life of obedience to God, not in any way to earn our, our salvation or to make us righteous before God, no, but in thankfulness to God for the salvation, for the perfect righteousness that Jesus Christ has earned for us. The point is, when we are true Christians, we should be rejoicing in the Lord always and, and growing in that. Because every Christian, everyone who belongs to Christ by faith, has the Spirit of God in them. And joy in the Lord is part of the fruit of the Spirit. And so what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that if we have zero interest in making 
2024, a year of joy in the Lord, that can only mean one of two things. Either we don't have the Holy Spirit and therefore don't actually belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've never embraced Him by faith. Or we have, but we're grieving the Holy Spirit. The Spirit that Christ has given to us. And we don't want either of those things to be true of us, do we? No, of course not. So, so, so let's then seek by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit to, to rejoice in the Lord always. Also, yes, in 2024. It's so very important because it's part of the will of God and it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. And of course, there could be many more reasons we can draw from, from Scripture why this is so important, why making 2024 a year of joy is, is so important. You could... There's much, the scriptures give practical reasons as well, even if you keep going in Philippians 4, the peace of God that's not just necessarily tied to the, you know, being anxious for nothing and, and presenting a request to God, but it's also tied, tied to this. And so having joy in the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord always has benefits. A broken spirit dries up the bones, but a joyful heart is good medicine. But but I trust the two that I've spoken of earlier are enough to convince us. The problem I want to address now, is the problem that we can struggle with is this. That rejoicing in the Lord always, at all times, seems impossible. So that, comes, we bring, that brings us to our second, our second thought, this, the seeming impossibility of making 2024 a year of joy in the Lord. When we hear our text, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I'm sure, well, the thought at least perhaps crosses your mind. How in the world can we do that? It's impossible. It can seem impossible for one thing when we are facing or living in difficult circumstances. The Philippian Christians were living in, in those kind of circumstances. Their beloved Paul, the, the one who first came and, and preached the gospel to them, he was in prison now in Rome and, and possibly facing execution and death. And their messenger, Epaphroditus, you can read about in Philippians 2, whom, whom they had sent to Paul, had been sick and had almost died. And not only that, they themselves, the Philippians themselves, were facing opposition and even outright persecution for their faith. They had to be on guard against false teachers and, 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 and the church was, itself was in danger of being torn apart by internal divisions and conflict between people. And yet Paul calls them all to rejoice in the Lord always. How impossible that could have seemed to them. That's probably why he repeated himself. How impossible it can seem to us. We might not be dealing with the same circumstances as the Philippians, but all of us have to deal with, with difficult circumstances in our lives at different times. It could be sickness and pain. It could be mental or emotional challenges like anxiety and depression. It could be the tragic and unexpected loss of a loved one. It could be pressures and challenges at work. It could be the loss of a job, unemployment. It could be financial hardships. It could be tense or broken relationships in the family. It could be unfair and unkind treatment of others toward us. 
maybe even insults, slanders, abuse of, of different kinds. It could be loneliness. It could be the frailties of old age. It could be the reality of our approaching death. So often our personal circumstances can be difficult. They can be hard. They can be perplexing. Like it was with Habakkuk. He tried to understand what the Lord was doing. And then there's, there's the circumstances around us in the world. There's the war in the Middle East. There's the war in Ukraine. There's the, the threats of North Korea. There's the increasing hostility in much of the world toward Christians. The growing conviction even in our own part of the world that Christianity and Christians are an evil that needs to be destroyed. How in the world can we rejoice in the Lord always? How can we make 2024 a year of joy in such Circumstances. How can the Christians in Ukraine or the Christians in Israel, in the Middle East, make 2024 a year of joy in the Lord? But it's not just difficult circumstances that make it seem impossible. It's also sin. And not just the sins of others, but our own sins. The sins against God that we've committed in the past the remaining sins against God that we struggle with now? How can we rejoice in the Lord when the memory of our past sins comes up to haunt us? How can we rejoice in the Lord when we're still in the middle of our battle with, with sin, a battle that, if we're honest, doesn't always go so well? How can we rejoice in the Lord when we've failed and when we've fallen in the battle? I mean, maybe we can understand rejoicing in the Lord always after the last battle was finally won, after the race is finally done, after the fight of faith is over. But rejoicing in the Lord always now, even in the midst of this battle against sin and against evil and against unbelief in my heart, how can that be possible? How can it even be proper? There are difficult circumstances There's a reality of sin and together they can be like two big mountains that seem to block our way to joy in the Lord. They cause us grief. They cause us sorrow. They cause tears and and, and rightly so. But how then can we make 2024 a year of joy in the Lord? It seems like an impossibility and yet it's not really. You see, sorrow and joy They're not incompatible. They're not mutually exclusive. And the Bible and and history as well are full of examples of people who rejoiced in the Lord always, even in the midst of grief, even in the midst of sorrow, because of trials or because of sin. You think of Paul himself. You know, as he's writing this letter And he wrote these words. I wonder if he or maybe the Philippians as they read it thought back to the time when he first came to them in Philippi. You remember what happened? Acts chapter 16. You can look it up later if if you don't know what happened. But but what happened was at one point he and his, his co-worker Silas got dragged before the authorities and they got beaten with rods. And then they got thrown into a dungeon. Do you know what they did in that dungeon? Acts 16 tells us they prayed and they sang hymns to God. Or you can think of Paul 
Paul himself, where he was when he wrote this very letter. He was in prison. He was chained to a Roman guard all the time. He was facing the very real possibility of death. And, and, and yes, he agreed. He, he speaks about his sadness in Philippians 2, his, his sorrow over Epaphroditus and his sickness. And, and yet, at the same time, he's rejoicing in the Lord. How many times in this letter to the Philippians, he speaks of his joy. And elsewhere, we see that when he grieves over his sin, he's, he's, even then, he's rejoicing in the Lord. If you turn to Romans, Romans chapter 7, and you read that chapter there, and he speaks on the one hand of, of how the reality of his remaining sin grieves him. And he's in agony, and he's in anguish over it. He cries out, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And yet, at the same time, what does he say? He says, I thank God through Christ Jesus, my Lord. You see, our difficult circumstances, our, even our remaining sin and the grief and the sorrow, these things cause, and rightly so, yes, they can make rejoicing in the Lord always seem impossible, but it's not. It's not. We've just mentioned the example of Paul, but there are many more. There are many more in Scripture and in history that we could point to, you think of that Russian woman that I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon. You can think of people like Corey, uh, Corey and Betsy Ten Boom in World War II in the concentration camp at Robinsbrook. Somehow, you see, somehow, some way, making 2024 a year of joy in the Lord is possible. Somehow it is possible to do what Habakkuk spoke of. Even when the fig tree does not blossom, even when the fields yield no fruit, I will rejoice in the Lord and I will joy in the God of my salvation. But how? That's really the question, isn't it? And that brings us to our third thought, the God-given way to this. And here I want to focus just on those three words in our text, in the Lord. The God-given way to making 2024 a year of joy in the Lord is the Lord himself. It's Christ. That's the key. And that means, congregation, that we need to know the Lord. We need to be in a relationship with the Lord. What does that look like? Well, I want to just bring out four things, and they all start with the letter F to help you remember them. A personal, saving, living relationship with the Lord begins with true, saving faith in Him. In other words, trusting in Christ alone for all your salvation. Coming to Christ, that means coming to Christ as a convicted sinner, with empty hands, realizing in yourself that you are without hope, that you are a helpless sinner who rightly deserves the wrath of God, and that you have no hope, no hope of escape, no hope of reconciliation to God, no hope of peace with Him in and of yourself or in anything in the creation. That you have nothing that you can bring before God that makes you worthy of His grace, that can make you right with God, nothing, absolutely nothing, and that your only hope for salvation is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And so you come to Him, you come to Him empty in yourself, that's what Jesus meant when he said in Matthew 5, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
And that's why Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said in this connection, and I quote, There are many people, he said, who never know the joy of the Lord because they have failed to see themselves as miserable sinners. The only way to be happy in Christ is to be desperately unhappy without him. The only way to be happy in Christ is to be desperately unhappy without him. The point is, without faith, without trust in the Lord alone for all your salvation, you cannot rejoice in him always. You cannot truly rejoice in him at all. To rejoice in the Lord always, we need to be united to Him. And the only way to be united to Christ is by faith in Him. That's part of what will enable us to rejoice in Him always. And it, it does enable us to rejoice in Him. Because, you see, with Christ, there is a, He is a, a complete Savior. With Him, there is full salvation. And so, when you trust in Him, there is nothing to fear. He is the fountain, always open. It will always be open in 2024. Always will be open until he comes again for sin and uncleanness. And, and he's so full of compassion and, 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 and tender mercies for all who come to him. And so we, we have a Savior. When you're united to, united to him by faith, you have someone you can go to each and every single day of this year and, and you can take all your sins to him each and every single day and he will wash them away and he will cleanse you from all your sins with his blood and he'll create in you a clean heart and renew in you a, a right and steadfast spirit. And when you're united to him by faith, then nothing, no difficult circumstances, no matter how difficult, can separate you from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ, from the love of Christ who not only died, but intercedes for his people at the right hand of God all the time. You see, faith in Jesus Christ gives you so much reason to joy, rejoice in him. And so, so look to him and trust yourself to him. The way to making 2024 a year of joy in the Lord is through faith in the Lord. But, but not only that, it's secondly also through following the Lord. Following the Lord. Joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. But to experience that joy, then we need, as Paul also says in Galatians 5, to walk in the Spirit. In other words, we need to follow and obey the Lord, relying on Him. You see, not following the Lord, not or not following the Lord, but living in sin, what does it do? It grieves the Holy Spirit. And it robs us of joy. You think of David in Psalm 32. He, he speaks there of, of how he had sinned. And, and how instead of confessing it at first. He, he tried to cover it up. And he tells us the result of that. He tells us that when I kept silence. My bones waxed old through my roaring or my groaning. All the day long. For day and night thy hand. Speaking of God's hand. Was heavy upon me. My moisture or vitality is turned into the drought of summer. In other words, he's describing here, David's describing here that his, his joy is because of his sin and his unwillingness to confess it at first. His joy had, had disappeared. And that's why when you turn to another psalm, Psalm 51, when he confessed his sin in relation to Bathsheba and Uriah, he prays, make me to hear joy and gladness the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. So let's follow the Lord 
Let's follow the Lord. Let's not walk in sin. That's the point. Don't walk in sin, but walk in the Spirit. And when you do sin, don't continue in it, but confess and repent of it. 2024, let's make it a year of keeping short accounts with God. Keeping short accounts with God. Follow, follow the Lord. The third thing, the third way to making 2024 a year of joy in the Lord is through fellowship with Him. Fellowship with the Lord leads to joy in the Lord. They go together. They go together. In John 15, the Lord Jesus speaks to his disciples and he, he calls them and repeatedly urges them to abide in him. Abide in him. And in John 15, verse 11, he, he explains why he tells them this. It's, it's so, that, so that his joy Imagine that, the joy of the Son of God in us. His joy might remain in them and that their joy might be full. The way, you see what he's saying, the way to joy in the Lord is through fellowship with Him, through abiding in Him. And Jesus uses the picture of a, of a branch abiding in the vine. That is, that's a picture of, of close, intimate communion with Him. How do we do that? How do we fellowship with the Lord? Well, we can mention a few things here maybe by, by reading and meditating on His Word, by prayer, by coming faithfully to church to hear the preaching of God's Word and to have spiritual fellowship with each other, by coming to the Lord's Supper in a right way, to rejoice in the Lord always. We need to have faith in the Lord. We need to follow the Lord and we need to live in fellowship, in communion with the Lord. And one last thing, perhaps the hardest, perhaps the hardest one of all, focus, focus on the Lord. I said this perhaps is the hardest one of all. It can be hard, believe it or not, it can be hard even for a pastor. It is so easy for us to become overwhelmed with our circumstances, to become focused on our circumstances, to become focused on our failures perhaps. But the way to make 2024 a year of joy in the Lord is to focus on Him. And there's, there's so much reason to focus on Him, isn't there? There's so much blessing in focusing on Him, focusing on His person. Who is he? Who is the Lord? He's the savior of sinners, anointed and appointed by God. He's the one and only mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. But not only that, he is the Lord. That's the title that our text uses. That means that all things are in his hands. He's in control of everything, of everything, even, even when we don't feel like he is. He's in control of even our sufferings and he's working all things together for the good of those that love God. Focus on his person and, and focus on his work. Consider with me what John, John Dales, a French Huguenot minister in the 1600s said. Who would not be overwhelmed with joy? He wrote. He preached actually. Who would not be overwhelmed with joy when he considers that the great God became a man, that we might be partakers of his divine nature, 
that he descended to our earth, that we might be raised up to heaven, that he bore the curse of the cross in order to crown us with blessing and glory. Rejoice then, he goes on to say, believing souls in your divine Redeemer. Drown every care in these sweet reflections. Let this read, let this, let this rich, let this rich and beautiful object be before your eyes night and day. In this case, you will never lack a subject of rejoicing. The God-given way to joy in the Lord is the Lord himself, the Savior Jesus Christ. Oh, then let us have faith in him and let us follow him. Let us live in fellowship with him and let us focus on him. That's how 2024 can be a year of joy in the Lord. And so let our resolve, relying on God, let our resolve for 2024 be to do by grace what our text is calling us to do. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Amen.